Welcome to the Karate in the Garage. I'm Corey Cope. I'm Freddie Woff. Was that much of a delay? No, it was just me. <laughs> Already adding spark to the episode. It's breathing. <laughs> breathing, that's not allowed. Through my eyelids. Oh, gross. What is this, Shape of Water? I was kidding. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, because dude, Bull Durham's been at on ad nauseum on Fox Sports One, which is the network that I work for, or one of the networks I work for. And uh we've been showing lots of sports movies, and Bull Durham has been one of them. We've been showing that a lot. Yeah, man. People love that movie. It's a good movie. Yeah, I like it too. I mean, I'm a big fan. Um, you know, Costner says at the very end. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go manage a minor league team in Visalia, and that would be the Visalia Oaks. That oh. made me laugh. Oh yeah. Oh, so cute. Yeah, no. he went to he went to he went to Mount Whitney High School in Visalia for one year, I think, or a year and a half. And you know, and when uh, when he became a big thing, everybody in Visalia suddenly knew him. <laughs> suddenly knew him. Well, in the last week, I've watched a lot of stuff, like a lot of stuff. I think we both ended up watching the Dark Man trilogy. Yeah, man, totally. The original is so damn good. Yes. Uh, the middle sequel sucks, but I don't mind the third one, dude, because these because Fahey and Darlene Flugel, Darlene Flugel, they totally know what movie they're in. <laughs> they're fucking right. going for it. It's, the third one's fun. It's cheap and cheesy, but in the spirit of the first one, as to where the second one is kind of a shitty rehash, it's hard for me to watch that guy who kind of looks like bloated Billy Zane. <laughs> Right. Who I know from the Mummy movies um, as Darkman. Well, yeah, um, he's he's in the both the Darkman sequels, but he's also in uh, his name is Arnold Vosloo. He's in uh, Hard Target. Yeah, he's such a, like, but he's like, that guy has like no personality. I don't even, I can't, somebody explain that dude to me. I don't know. I mean, I just watch him. He's kind of like a non, I mean, everybody in those two other Darkman movies is doing everything. He's really just kind of shows up. I don't know, man. It's weird. I like, I don't know how it went from Liam Neeson to that guy. Well, yeah, there's a lot of things that they lost. They lost Sam and they lost, I mean, all he did was produce it, but in fact, I don't even think he did a full production. I think he just did an EP thing. And then while he's at it, he sent his brother to be in there somewhere. I'm sure if I don't remember though, he's probably in there somewhere, but the original dark man, that was for some people. That was their first time hearing the name Sam Raimi. Because up to that point, it was just Evil Dead. Or the Evil Dead franchise, I should say, more specifically. That, and that was my real introduction to Liam Neeson. I mean, he there's so much about it. It's lots of parts. Well, let's put it, let's put it this way. Darkman, to me, is, is it looks like a comic book movie, but at times feels like a classic Universal Monster movie. Yeah, totally. It, I mean, it's got, it's got all the elements of the Invisible Man in it, you know, just colored into a comic book movie and it's really and i don't mean obviously a comic book movie i don't mean a superhero movie 
the movie was way too good for the audience that was out in 1990 because most of them, most people didn't see the movie. Well, I think people went to the movies expecting to see Batman. You know what I mean? I think it was a, a little too, I mean, for me, I thought it was great because I was totally, I love the evil dead. And I, you know, I, I liked things that were, you know, I didn't like the same movie every time out. I'm, I, I was excited that it wasn't Batman. Um, you know, exactly. even though it does have, it does have similar, uh, you know, dark tones and Danny Elfman score and et cetera, et cetera, but it wasn't, it wasn't Batman. And I think that, you know, people weren't ready for that. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, dude, that the scene where he's trying to win the bear at the carnival. Oh, so good. It always, my favorite, when we get, when they at the carnival, when they get there, I'm like, oh, I forgot all about this scene. That's like one of my favorites of the movie, obviously, because you get to see. For me, anyway, it was a guy I discovered for in that in that movie, that lovely Mason. And, and watching him go from zero to one eighty is so great. Some of my favorite moments, and that's the Evil Dead aspect that Sam Raimi brought to the movie. Where it's just that's another thing too is like again, if you hadn't seen his movies, and this is the first time you've seen anything he's done, that's not necessarily an Evil Dead thing as a sam raimi thing yeah totally it's just a perfect blend of all of it for a movie that came out 31 years ago or 30 years ago i should say and it more than holds up and i think i might like it more now than i did in 1990 i would say for sure i mean to me i like it for i i, I like it i liked it then i like it now i'd like it for, i mean to me it's my favorite sam raimi movie probably because it's the most sam raimi movie i feel like everything after that someone told him to back off a bit Quick and the Dead is fun and it's got Raimi elements, but Dark Man is like full bore, 100%. Yeah, right. Everything you want from Sam Raimi, right yeah. down to the Bruce Campbell cameo. Which is when he shows up, when he does, I won't say when, but it's perfect. Yeah, totally. And if I were to guess, this was his first studio movie. First studio movie. I don't think anybody wants Bruce to be in the lead. No, not. You're exactly or, right. Or any part, because what did he do before that? They did two movies. And there wasn't much for them to call on. Well, right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, had he, he was in Maniac Cop, maybe, right? Or, yeah. you know, he was in some other stuff. But nothing nothing at this studio would have been like, oh, yeah. Although I think it was weird that they replaced him with Liam Neeson, an actor really not known for that style. But, I mean, I guess he sort of brings a more grounded. Uh, Bruce always kind of had that goofy, rubbery fit. You know, he's like he's like a comic book hero. Right. He's like Dirk the Daring from Dragon Slayer. Right. When you see him at the end, oh, that's what I, I spoiled the movie. Oops. Whoops. When you see him at the end, that's one of the only times I've ever, well, that was such a say only times, but it's like the first time I've ever seen Bruce Campbell be serious, whether he wasn't like wrapped around something else. It's just that stop and look over his shoulder. It was like so, like, oh, wow. I just, that's, that's Bruce Campbell being serious, not snarky way, not in a yeah. in a dry way as a juxtaposition to something that's going on around him. Right. But we and now when he turned back, I'm like, oh my God, he's so young. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, between this and Army of Darkness, I mean, you know, that those are the two like perfect storm Sam Raimi movies. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess maybe he left the franchise because he didn't feel like he wanted to do it again, or it wasn't the right franchise, because obviously he isn't opposed to franchises if there's enough money involved sure to do it to do it right like the spider-man thing and also he you know he did a trilogy of the evil dead thing so i don't know weird i mean i feel like i feel maybe the world got cheated out of an awesome dark man sequel <laughs> and directed by sam i think but i think kind of what you're just pointing out i i think that maybe he just thought i don't want to be the guy that just makes 
sequels. I make the original yeah. and I do a bunch of sequels afterwards. And at that point, like you're you're noting, he had already done a couple of Evil Dead movies. Did they this sandwich is in between, didn't they? Before Army of Darkness. This is right before Army of Darkness, right? Yeah. I mean, he did Army of Darkness next. Yeah, they delayed it a whole bunch because when you we used to go see movies at at the Cineplex Odeon, which is what you call City Walk now at the time, <laughs> it was Universal Studios, uh, Tony Roma's, and the movie theater, and all that other shopping bullshit was in there before instead of normal chain link fencing they had uh billboard style fencing and they had an ad for army of darkness but it was just the logo and then they had it like there for like 10 months and it was just delayed and delayed and delayed oh yeah and i remember weren't there like ads that like in, for like who is dark man like yep. there were just these ads like there was like there was a giant ad campaign before there was like a trailer or a tv spot or anything it was all paper yeah, and I think Universal thought maybe Dark Man was a better lead-in for Army of Darkness. Maybe they didn't think they were going to get their business for Army of Darkness, so they delayed it. I don't know. But like, yeah. you, but you made a great point, though. They were trying to, you know, Universal doesn't have a superhero movie. They don't have that kind of movie. They're not historically known for it anyway, especially at that time. So they what they do, they said, like, this is our Batman. This is our Tim Burton Batman. He's like, you know, those two guys came up around the same time, both Raimi and, and Burton, as far as directors and then working on studio projects. I mean, Burton basically got a studio project handed to him. Right. But for somebody like this, for Sam Raimi and Burton coming up at the same time, roughly, they said, well, like, I did a Batman movie. You should be able to do this, right? And there's, I mean, what, they're a summer apart, right? Yeah, 89 and 90. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, if, you know, Universal did this, and then maybe in between the time they were trying to figure out whether they did The Shadow, which was another big flop that they spent a ton of money on, attached a bunch of stars to, and, you know, we're trying to uh, create that franchise hero movie. And maybe they just figured that, man, maybe it's not, maybe maybe we just don't know what we're, maybe we don't know how to do it. <laughs> right. And we're, you know, and the video market was, yeah, sure. Darkman, I mean, I'm shocked we never got a direct-to-video sequel of The Shadow. I guess it would depend on, because, uh, I mean, Darkman, I mean, Darkman lends to it, but The Shadow. Shadow's a serial. It could easily have done that. Same thing with The Phantom. Yeah, I just think that, you know, both those studios just didn't know how to do it. No. Paramount, didn't they, you know, I, this, we're going down a rabbit hole, but didn't they try to create, like, Sky Captain in the world? <laughs> I mean, I feel like they know how to make a one-off movie that's not very good. That has a lot of promise, but just doesn't deliver in the end. Right. The problem is they tried to do it themselves. They've got overconfident, like, we can do that kind of thing because they distributed the Indiana Jones movies. <laughs> you think, oh, we could do that. I'm like, yeah, but you need Lucas and you need Spielberg. And without them, <laughs> you guys are going to get Sky Captain in the world of tomorrow. Yeah, totally. And not that I didn't enjoy it. Loved but, it. I mean, I, I really enjoy it. But, you know, I mean, it's it's nothing that I was like, yeah, I really need another one of those. I kind of like, I mean, I love The Shadow, but do I think that The Shadow is as good as the Tim Burton Batmans? No. 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 It's funny because I started introducing Joey to those recently, and he'd seen all three of the, the Nolan Batman movies. But the one thing I really liked a lot uh, about the, his reaction to those three was, not the Burton ones, but when it's not really three. I do we, do we really count Batman and Robin as a... That's a Joel Schumacher movie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I got. I don't even. I don't count it. I never even think about. It. I don't even remember it. The well, the third one. The the well, he did two of them, right? Schumacher. Yeah, he did. He did it forever and Batman and Robin. Yeah, I mean, Forever's got moments that are, you know, that's okay. It suffers from the same fate though. Tim's last Batman movie. Too many villains. 
Too many villains. Yeah, yeah. Too many characters. Too many, you know, too many of your familiar characters trying to cram too much into one movie. And Max Shrek, dude, right? The Christopher Walken character in the second movie, it's just too much. He's just too much for it. Well, it's either you just have Shrek or you have the Penguin or you have Catwoman or you have the him and Catwoman and lose the Penguin. And so what are the, how do they learn from their uh, mistakes? Oh, well, they put out even more. When he did forever and they had two main villains that you already know. And then they, you know, they put, what was it? Salt and pepper. (laughs) They put in there. (laughs) Drew Barrymore and Debbie Mazur here. They play, uh, they played the two little sidekicks, two two face. Right. God, I forget all about that. It, that, that is the, the only thing I remember about that movie is there was a seal song. (laughs) The soundtrack is great. And a U2 song. Right. And, uh, I really wish U2 went that direction the way they were that, that song. I wish they had gone that direction. Instead, they came back with that pop album. Oh, actually, that's only, I actually like that pop album. It's not bad. It's staring at the sun. I mean, I remember Melody and I were driving. It was her birthday. We were driving to San Francisco to go see the ballet because Melody used to dance. So I thought it would be a fun thing to do. The album hadn't dropped yet, but staring at the sun, discotheque had already been out, but staring at the sun as a single was getting played. And I, the first time I heard it, it was like, I fell in love with it. But those are like the only two, well, there's a couple of songs I like on there a lot. When they did those songs live, that's where I actually really liked them. Both my friend Eric and I were talking about this maybe a year ago, about how good that album is at creating fun songs for live performances because they're not nearly as good on the studio versions. Too much polish, too much production going on. Yeah, it's like another band. It's like it's kind of like they they it's kind of like they spend a lot of time listening to Sonic Youth. <laughs> then we're like, let's make a record. Um, that's funny. Yeah, so the Darkman trilogies, that was fun. Dude, it was fun that they had all three of them. Again, though, why not in scope? I was, you know, it's funny because I love stars, but I hate stars for that reason. Like some, and it's weird because if you search, some things are, but about 2% of what's on there is. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is, which isn't surprising. But yeah, something else. Oh, I watched a couple westerns. I watched 100 Rifles with Burt Reynolds and uh, Raquel Welch and Jim Brown, and it wasn't. And then I watched Bandolero with uh, Raquel Welch, Dean Martin, and uh, George Kennedy, and it was. Oh. So yeah, man, I, weird. I, I don't know who's in charge over there, but come on, man. Let's figure this out. I guess say you know, all the movies I mentioned earlier that I watched, uh, I watched them all on Stars. I'm really bothered by the. I know it sounds like, sound like a broken record and a little crybaby, but man, I, I don't like the, these movies that have that were shot two, three, nine, two, two forty, And then there's, I, I don't know. There's just no reason to do that. Another reason, just take the time and scan it. Right. It's stupid. Oh yeah, I do. So I was looking at your movie, the movie bull right here. Oh, and VOD yesterday. Yes, sir. It did. Available on iTunes and voodoo. I think I like Rob Morgan. Yeah. Rob's great. Solid. Yeah. He was a, uh, he had a little great little part in Brawl and Cellbox ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, he's good. I like him a lot. He he's like because he he was in Daredevil. I remember him that. Do you watch Godless? No, I didn't. I should. Yeah, yeah, totally. You totally should. Yeah, he's great in Godless. Was he in Stranger Things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in. Yeah, I think I think he was in all three seasons. He works for the sheriff. Right. But yeah, he's a big Netflix commodity. He's in a lot of stuff. The one I see, I knew about this too. He's in the United States versus Billie Holiday, Lee Daniels movie. Oh. Yeah. 
that one. I've been really looking for that. They're in post right now. I don't, I don't remember. Is that a Netflix thing? Is that going to be on Netflix? I hope so. Cause that, I mean, that move that that's got a great cast, just, of uh, just people like, you know, and then also people just bubbling underneath the surface about the break. Hopefully that that thing does get done and Lee gets to make his uh, Richard Pryor biopic. And who did he, who did he choose for Richard? At one point I thought it was Mike Epps, but I don't know if that's still a thing. I mean, it, that was a few years ago. See, here's something I've learned when it comes to biopics and It'd be interesting because you think about Jojo dancing, your life is calling is a, is Richard's own half-ass autobiography kind of thing. There's so much about that movie that I, I scratch my head about. I don't get it, but there's one moment about, you know, with him growing up in the brothel and him witnessing this one guy down, getting uh, escorted downstairs by, by one of the, the security guys. The security guy is consoling this guy that's crying and he's like coming downstairs. Obviously he was a customer. And he's crying. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And he's, and he's listening to him explain himself. He's like, he's, would you pee on me? He just liked to be peed on. Yeah. That's why he's and getting, he just, he's And then he yanks him and <laughs> drags him down the stairs, dressed the way down the stairs. I do remember it was bizarre because I, you know, seeing him play young and they did, you know, they did decent makeup on him, I think, as far as I can remember from the, uh, you know, from the early days where you see him clean shaven and, Young Richard Pryor to you know the end where he's pouring bourbon on rum all over himself, uh, but yeah, I, I haven't seen that movie for years. So, and I'm not a big biopic person because I find they all hit the same beats. And I can, you know you can kind of just set your watch by when the rise is going to fucking plateau and the good times are going to happen for 15 minutes and then there's a downward spiral and then another and then we end on a high note. But I'd be interested to see what Lee Daniels would do with the Richard Pryor movie. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I think he might have something to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it could be good or it could be walk the line. We don't want any of that. Walk the line. We we want great balls of fire. We want walk hard. <laughs> we want it to be a biopic. But we want it to be funny. Maybe that's unintentionally funny. Who knows? I uh, I I'm feeling a little less uh, TV serial series kind of thing right now. So I've been doing lots of movies. That's I think that's why I went. Crazy Van Dam. I watched Sudden Death. I watched Hard Target. Mm-hmm. I and I watched something that we're covering soon. Yes. And one other thing. What was the other thing that I watched? So let me ask you: Have you seen it before? Had you seen it before? Because you said you weren't sure. No, I had not. That'll be our angle then. That's the, the that's the angle. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, it's a it's it's a good one. I I liked it a lot. I don't know if it's my favorite. I would just say I think it's the most Hollywood movie of his career. Like, you know what I mean? As a straightforward sort of Hollywood rather than a vehicle for Jean-Claude. Yeah, I was, I would agree with that. My favorite Jean-Claude movie still is Time Cop. I just, everything just hits for me. It's that great villain and then not just a great villain, but watching somebody like Ron Silver play two different parts is so good. It's it's hard for me to watch Ron Silver. I can't get Rhoda out of my head. Um, I thank God I never, I never got into the show. And so uh, when, it's you hard. Say, when you say that, I can't even <laughs> visualize him on it, so which is perfect. I did watch a couple. Of, I, I've been. Uh, I did. I did skirt Tubi for a couple fun Jean Claude films. <laughs> I watched Ringo Lambs in Hell, which is basically a prison fight movie, not unlike Bloodsport or anything, but very grim and not as campy as uh, as the early Van Damme prison how many times did van damme do that prison movie we got death warrant 
and that's and I think that's why when uh, when I was said I wasn't sure about nowhere to run, I was thinking, man, am I mixing this up with hard target? Because like when you and I were talking about, you, you mentioned nowhere to run, and I immediately thought about it as hard target. Right. But yeah, like you said, there's a, he did a ton of prison movies, and there was just, just a period of time where he just and he was at his peak, but man, he did a lot of movies, dude, like Lionheart. The quest. I mean, they're all like movies. They're they're all Enter the Dragon, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, there's like six of them, and even as he gets older, like I mean, how many times does he play twins? You know, there's at least <laughs> three movies where he plays twin versions of himself. And uh, what was the one he did with uh, Double Team with Dennis Rodman team. and yeah. Mickey See, Rourke? So Double Team. So they give you an opportunity to think, oh my gosh, just by the name, he's in another movie, right? Playing twins, but no. It's nope, Dennis but it's Robin. not to be. <laughs> Dennis Rodman and him are twins. I love the fact that he just, and then Stephen D'Souza came around as I wrote, and I wrote this movie as a knockoff of, you know, every action movie there is out there, especially Die Hard movies, which is what D'Souza came into rewrite. What's it called? Knockoff. Yeah. I wish it was better than it is. But Knockoff's directed by one, uh, Sue Hark, right? Is that is that right? Is that the one with Rob Schneider? It is. Knockoff? Yeah. It's 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 been in the it's in the Tubi queue. <laughs> it's in, it's on Tubi, really? I think so. Ooh. It's in one of my queues. I think it's on Tubi, or it was or was it might have left. There's a bunch of new stuff that popped up on Tubi yesterday because uh, some things went away. Because it was the first day of the month. Yeah, April went by like July when we were in school. Oh yeah, it went by like that. I'm like, wait, it's May on Friday. What the fuck happened? I worked less. I, I mean, I stayed home more than I worked the entire month, like everybody else. But it was really, I don't know, man. Usually those like, situations drag ass. <laughs> but it went fast. I'm looking at the photos from the from knockoff, and I forgot about Jean-Claude's seizure haircut in it. Oh, yeah. This is when he was starting to look like he was doing stuff to his face. Well, he was doing stuff to his face. <laughs> but, I mean, this is where you really it started, started to show. When it started to show, yeah. And this is, I think he lost a lot of weight too. So his face looks really odd. But from this point on, he kind of looked the same. I mean, he definitely doesn't look like. He looks weird in Expendables too. He looks weird in everything after this movie in 98. It's his face, man. <laughs> it's his, he could do what he wants to do with his face. Uh, I watched Extraction. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. It's uh, it's up in my queue. I just, uh, yeah, I, I can't get that excited about it. I don't know. I'll just say this about it. It's no man on fire. <laughs> no. No, it's it's good though. But for the same reasons why I like Six Underground, I I feel like if this gets shown at one of those Netflix-owned movie theaters in the future, I want to go see it. You would or you wouldn't? I would. Huh. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I have it queued up. I just haven't uh, I haven't pulled the trigger on watching it yet. I watched The Bodyguard instead. Yes, I <laughs> Bodyguard. Well, uh, yeah, Bodyguard. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. I'm a massive Stephen Queen fan, and I sent you a picture of, of this a couple of days ago. And I'm in this uh, poster commission for them doing a Great Escape print. That you know, I'm in one of those alternate movie print dorks, and I collect lots of limited edition, private commission things. And the guy that's doing this one did uh, is doing a whole Stephen Queen series, and the previous one he did was for Bullet. And oh my gosh, dude, that Bullet! I missed out on that commission on the Bullet one. Um, but the thing is, the guy that did it, Chorney, the the artist, he's done like everything. He's done like original OG like one sheets. This guy's been around 
the business forever. That's why his stuff looks so good. That's why it, you were seeing that bullet one for the first time, but it still feels familiar because he's just, the dude just kills stuff like that. Let me know when they do Nevada Smith. I would be surprised if somebody went completely out book and did something like that. Or know? Junior Bonner. The Great Escape was something I used to watch a lot with my dad. We're going to get some Donald Pleasance on that thing. Hell yeah. No, I was just, are they, are they, are, is it coinciding with the, uh, with the Criterion Blu-ray? No, this is, but this is the kind of, this is the, this guy's the kind of level of artist that would end up doing those boutique release type covers, like for Arrow or for, right. Or Shout or anything like that. Cool. Uh, Melody and I actually, I, I lied, dude. We're in the middle of watching Waco. Oh, right. That was on Paramount Network. It's on Netflix now. So we're in the middle of watching that. And it's, uh, boy, they really um, humanize Koresh a lot. Um, but everybody's so good in it. Michael Shannon, who's the FBI agent in it, like a lead FBI agent, and he's, I think he co-produced it or he produced the movie. I can't remember, recall exactly. And Taylor Kish is in it playing... And David Koresh, I really think I really he think he he caught fire too early. Taylor Kish and, and I thought you meant I thought you meant Koresh. Well, no, yeah, well, he, the, he, the place he, caught fire he, about two he, weeks too early. I guess I guess <laughs> I could have used different wording, but <laughs> yeah, man, I'm sure whatever. Where we're at right now, well, here, let's here's two things that I discovered about David Koresh in it. He's a big fan of the song My Sharona, and he can play the song. Because that's where I came in he, when he was gathering new uh, followers. He's at some bar, and, and uh, Rory Culkin plays a drummer that he kind of coaxes into playing on stage with them. And they played My Sharona, which I thought was kind of funny. That was around the same time that Reality Bites came out. Maybe that's what caused this whole thing. Stop it. <laughs> Reality Bites. I, I have the single for My Sharona the lead singer's girlfriends on the cover holding their album in this white wife beater with no bra on. And some stores were banning the sleeve because you can see her nipples. Right. And that's bad. Apparently. Apparently. I mean, it, it wasn't bad in the 80s, in the eighties, in the early eighties. So that was like 79. Is that right? Yeah. Maestro. 79 or 80, something yeah. like that. My Sharona, man. Yeah. My Sharona. And I, give me one more song off the album. Come on. Good girls. Don't. There you go. Yep. I mean, I could, I mean, yeah, I know the album. I have the album. I mean, I have that album. I don't know if I have anything else by the neck, but I have seen them like in the last 10 years, you know, doing the, doing the circuit, the candy clubs, the, the candy club type circuit. Fire still leading them? Maybe at the time he was. I think so. I think it was, I think it was all original members. I felt, I don't, or, you know, it was everybody. It was, a, it was a, it was, you know, maybe it was, it was three original members and maybe a different drummer. Yeah. This was probably like, geez, 10 years goes by pretty quick. I feel like this was like 2008 or 2009 when I saw him. There was like three big songs that came out, like in a very small window that were like such like anthems for me. My Sharona, Turning Japanese and Another Brick in the Wall, part two. All those songs, even though they all weren't close together, they were like my elementary school songs. They were so big to me, and they because they're they're huge songs, and there weren't a lot of songs that were that influential on my uh, my listening habits, and my taste grew out of that. It was it was a, it was alternatives to being inundated by Kiss from when we were kids, because that's all we got. I mean, I was the youngest kid in the neighborhood, so 
I never cared about Kiss. It, I, I missed the boat on Kiss. I was That's like okay. too young and then didn't give a shit. Because they when I when, when they took their makeup off, I was like, oh, God, those guys are who cares right but, <laughs> but that's yeah that's kind of the point i guess i mean lick it lick it up it was like i was like 13 when that came out <laughs> i was just like mm, maybe not into that lick it up was good uh, i okay. just I no, mean, no 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 i just i remember being at, at the bowling alley playing pool and dropping a quarter into the jukebox listen to me picking my three songs and one of the songs was i was made for loving you and i get looks from people dude i'm like i'm nine I don't understand that Kiss isn't cool anymore. I don't understand that 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 they're playing disco. I don't. Right. I don't know any of that because you're nine. This is why. Right. <laughs> Speaking of pop music, there's like three albums the Bengals have put out the last ten years I didn't know about. Oh yeah, there's I, some good ones. I'm listening to them right now. I can't remember the titles because I just saw the dates. And I'm like, wait, I don't have this. Is Susanna singing? I hit play. I'm like, oh, how come I don't know about this? Yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, yeah. Oh my gosh, is that it? I think so. I mean, I, I feel like we ran the gamut. Yeah, there's some editing to do. <laughs> there is some editing to do. Are you listening to Ladies and Gentlemen, The Bangles, and The Sweetheart of the Sun? That's a good one. The, those are the ones that, I, and then there's one more, like I want to say it's got a doll on the cover, like a doll face. Doll Revolution is what it would be called. Yeah, I, I got that one. Sweethearts of the Sun, dude, if you don't, if you haven't looked, that is like my favorite of these uh, sort of, ladder sweetheart of the sun right so those last two that's what i have even though doll revolution is 17 years old i have those last two sweetheart of the sun and doll revolution yeah wow 17 years old that is wacky what is this? <laughs> i don't know i got nothing else i got nothing else man there's an, epi- else. There's an episode in there so if you want to follow us on social media you can follow Corey on twitter at Corey culp or the official at karate pod or on letterboxd at Corey underscore culp or patreon at patreon.com slash k-i-t-g podcast if you want to follow freddie you can follow me at raven shattuck on the twitter rock and roll 33 on your instagram or tom cody on letterboxd